you'll take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 31, a quick look at our culture will tell you that the ideals of motherhood, uh, those images, are not necessarily so accurate in our day. But if you look in the Scripture, you will see that as well when we think of the ideals. You have, for instance, Ruth, who at a young age was widowed and childless. You have Rachel, Hannah, Sarah, who were infertile. You have Eve and Mary, who lost sons in terrible circumstances. You have two mothers of two kings, both of them were named Ahaziah, and those mothers encouraged their sons toward deceit and evil doings. And then you have the prodigal son. Now we usually think about the father in that, and the mother's not mentioned, but there was a mother. And she too was dishonored by her son's actions. So what are we saying? Well, there isn't just one-size-fits-all journey for women. The Scripture is right up front with that. And we do women in our church a disservice if we imply that that is the case. And yet, today is Mother's Day. We are here to worship Jesus. Not motherhood, not mothers. And yet, the Scripture does speak to some of those ideals of Mother's Day. And even though Mother's Day is a human invention, now you knew that, right? You knew that wasn't in the Scripture. Didn't you know that? I think some people don't know that. But even though it's a a human invention, I tell you all the time that the Gospel itself has bearing on all of our life. It's not just when you come to Christ, but it is all of our life. And that includes what we are talking about today in terms of having a response to this day. Now let's read in Proverbs 31. We're going to begin with the 10th verse. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it and 
the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Are you tired yet, ladies, <laughs> listening to this? Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you teach us from your word? Give us the right perspective on what you have told us, and will you apply it in the way that is necessary for us and give us humble hearts to receive that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God gave ten top commands. Of those, the first four are about our relationship with God. The rest are about our relationship with one another, and of course there is a bearing on our relationship with God. But the very next one, after the first four that talk about our relationship with God, the very next one tells us we are to honor our father and our mother. That's where it is in his top ten. What are we talking about with honor? I, I put a definition in your outline from Gary Smalley, who's done a great deal of work on that. But let me tell you biblically what the word honor means. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, it could also be translated glorify. Now, who do we think of when we talk about someone being glorified? Well, we think of God. We usually don't think of other human beings. And yet, that's the same word. It's used over 500 times in the Scripture. And the word itself, here it's applied to parents, to father and mother. The word itself literally means to be heavy or weighty. 
like a, a precious jewel that is heavy, and the heavier it is, uh, the more valuable it is. That's what it's talking about. Now, in terms of your mother, your mother may not any longer be on this earth. And yet, there is someone that God has called you to honor. And I would encourage you to apply these aspects of honor to whomever that is. Now, I'm going to give you, because it is Mother's Day, I'm going to give you five ways mothers can be honored. And these are all from the Scripture. First of all, if you are young and at home, you children, you youth, mothers are honored by obedience. In Ephesians 6, it says this. And Ephesians uh, 6, the context of this is talking about various relationships and relationships of how we submit to one another. And it says for uh, children, this is your role of submission. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, this acknowledges two things. One is that God put her in that position. That's one reason you're to honor your father and your mother, and particularly your mother as we think about it today. But secondly, it acknowledges her wisdom in that because the promise is when you honor her, that things may go well with you in the land. There is blessing for you when you acknowledge God's order of things and when you even honor those that he has placed in positions over you. Um, you children and youth, in Romans chapter 1, there, there is a, a fascinating passage. It, it's talking about uh, the downward spiral of sin and of how mankind fell into sin. And it begins to list uh, a lot of the sins that people got into. And I, I want you to listen to them, especially you children and youth. This is what uh, the Word of God says. It says about mankind when they had rejected God ways, God's ways. It says they were filled, this is Romans 1.29, with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder. Everyone knows that's a, a terrible thing. Strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanders, haters of God. This, this is a terrible list. You don't want to be on this list. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Listen to what comes next. Disobedient to parents. That's in the same list as murders, as liars, and it says if you disobey your parents, you are in this position. That's how serious God takes it. In fact, I'm not going to read this to you, but I, I put the passage there, Deuteronomy 21. Because I'm not here to scare children, okay? 
You know how they dealt with it, though, in the Old Testament? You parents can use this on them if you need to later. It talks about what they did with those that were basically incorrigible, that, that not just disobeyed once, but just it was a, a constant rebellion and so on. It says, take them to the gate and stone them to death. That's how serious it was to God. How many times do you think that had to happen before word got around to the other kids? It's serious. In fact, this isn't talking about little children here because it talks about their drunkenness and gluttony. So it's talking about those who are older and living in the home. It is serious to God. Now, there's a second way mothers are honored, and that is by actions. Proverbs 10, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now, sometimes mothers are practically put on the level with God, even those to those who are rebellious. When I was in college and seminary, I worked uh, for Farmers Home Administration in their warehouse, Seven years I worked there. To my knowledge, no one else that was uh, working in that warehouse was a Christian. I recall a young man about my age, and he was one day telling me about a party he had been to the night before. And he was telling me what all was going on. Now, I knew because of previous conversations that it it would... wouldn't mean anything to him if I said, well, you know, what, what would God say about that? And so instead of that, I said, what would your mother have said if she had showed up at the party? His face drooped and it stopped, stopped him in his tracks. It was like, well, no, that, that's serious. Now, why do you think that is, even among someone like that? Sometimes our mothers are put in that position, but I think there's a real reason for it. Because there seems to be a connection, a connection between how we look at our mother and sometimes our father and God. You know, when uh, Mother's Day became official, there, there were three purposes. The first was to honor the memory of mother. The second was to do some act of kindness And the third one, get this, this is like a what would Jesus do uh, bracelet. Try to live one whole day at least as she would have you live. Doesn't that sound like how we ought to be looking at God? Well, there is a connection. There's a relationship. And that brings us to the third thing, and that is we honor our mothers when we honor God. In Proverbs 23... It says the father, verse 24, the father of the righteous. Now, what are the righteous? Those who love God, those who do as he's instructed, those who trust in Christ alone. Okay? The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. That last phrase, let her who bore you 
rejoice. Think about how incredible birth is. And it's talking about the, the kind of, the, what, what an experience it is. Uh, you know, the mixture of pain and relief and rejoicing. And that's just the father. And it's hard on the mother too. He's pointing us to that fact. The one who bore you, the one who gave you birth and went through that. It tells us the one who experiences all of those emotions, there will be rejoicing when you live as unto God. And then the fourth way the Scripture tells us, and that is uh, we can honor our mother's by seeing that they're cared for. In Proverbs 23, verse 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Now, in the New Testament, Paul talks about that to Timothy as well. He says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, do you get that? See, he's basically saying, look, unbelievers, they take care of their parents. You who claim to be believers, how much more you ought to know better, you ought to honor your parents So if knowing better, you don't take care of them, you're worse than those that don't even know God. It's serious to Him that our mothers and our fathers be taken care of. Now, that doesn't mean they have to live with you, but it does mean that you're responsible. This is not a government thing. This is you that's responsible for them. And then there's a, a fifth thing, and that is we, we can honor our mother with words. Proverbs 31, as I read earlier, her children rise up and call her blessed. Now, look, kids, I got to tell you, I don't think I ever did that literally when I was a kid. I think my mother would have wondered what I was up to had I risen up and called her blessed mother. But it is about speaking well of her and to her. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And this is the kind of thing he says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. How different this is from our society and what comedians and and what uh, uh, comedies on TV do in terms of how people treat one another. Connie and I, when we were young marrieds, we hung out with uh, other fairly newlyweds. It was when I was still in school. And uh, we made a pact early on that we wouldn't tease each other publicly because we had been in 
situations with other young couples where they started out teasing each other and then before long it got serious and you could see there was hurt and it got ugly. And we said, we're not going to do that. We can't do that. And I'm sure, I'm sure through the years that saved a lot of hurt. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Winston Churchill was at a formal state dinner. They asked this question of uh, the dignitaries that were there. If you could not be who you are, who would you like to be? Everyone wanted to know who Churchill would say. He was sitting up at the front table next to his uh, wife, Clemmy. And so others answered the question and so on. Then it, it got to Churchill, and he said this, If I could not be who I am, I would most like to be, and then he paused. Everybody wanted to hear what this would be. I would most like to be Lady Churchill's second husband. Churchill scored some points that day, I promise you. You know what Billy Sunday said? He said, try praising your wife, even if it does frighten her at first. (laughs) You know, don't wait for some funeral someday to say those things you've been wanting to say and those things you feel. I've seen way too many regrets. People saying, I, I, I know they knew how I felt, but wishing they had said it. Say it today. Say it out loud to them. You know, in your outline, it says the supreme example. The Lord Jesus, when He was on the cross, He said some things, and you always listen to last words of people. We call them the seven last words, and they were actually seven sayings from the cross. One of those seven things that He said when He had so little breath left, so few words before He would die on the cross, is recorded in John 19. It says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. There he is on the cross, honoring his mother seeing that she was taken care of. Arthur Pink says this, probably these lines may be read by a number of grown-up people who still have living fathers and mothers. How are you treating them? Are you truly honoring them? Does this example of Christ on the cross put you to shame? It may be that you're young and vigorous and your parents gray-headed and infirm. 
But the Holy Spirit says, despise not thy mother when she is old. It may be you're rich and they're poor, then fail not to make provision for them. It may be they live in a distant state or land, then neglect not to write them words of appreciation and cheer that shall brighten their closing days. And then he says this, these are sacred duties. Honor your father and your mother. Maybe your mother is not honorable. In any group this size, there are those of you, sadly, who have thought that during this message. I was with a wonderful Christian couple recently, and the wife said, my mother was a terrible person. I was shocked. But then she began to tell me just a few things And her mother was a terrible person. And yet, the command is still there to honor your mother and father. How do we do that? Well, that's where the gospel comes in. It's Christ in us. Some of you may not have the capacity within yourselves to honor one who has been dishonorable and the best of mothers are not perfect. And so we must depend upon Christ in us. He, I told you He was the ultimate example. He's more than our example. He is our Redeemer. And so... On the cross, he honored his mother. On the cross, he was honoring his father by obedience. Perfect obedience for us. And he's the one we've got to depend on. And if we have one who is dishonorable, And yet we're called to honor. We ask for grace. Grace is undeserved favor. And if you are in Christ, you have received undeserved favor from God Himself through Christ. And it is your turn to pass undeserved favor on to another who you are called to honor. Even this is a redemptive experience. Where we fail to honor, there is forgiveness. Where we struggled to honor, there is grace and strength for us. Because this is our sacred duty. Let's bow together.